I don't believe that we should ever have good money again before we take the thing out of the hands of government. Welcome back, everyone. We're Simply Bitcoin. It is the weekend recap. We break down the news from Twitter, the daily fail, meme review, software releases, hardware releases, and the websites by plebs. We are diving into the numbers. Let's do it. Number time. Brought to you by Bitcoin 2022. It's going to be the largest Bitcoin conference ever hosted in sunny, sunny Miami Beach, Florida. New speaker just announced Jordan Peterson. Absolutely bonkers. We also have Naim Bukele, Saifedean, Michael Saylor, Jack Maulers. Lineup is absolutely bonkers. We have a DJ. We have Dead Mouse, Steve Aoki spinning on the last day. And you can take advantage of the link down below for 10% off your tickets to Bitcoin 2022. At the time of this recording, the block height is 725200 The Bitcoin price, 37605 Chain rewrite days, 712 Total public lightning capacity, 3455.89. Moscow time, 2659 blocks to the happening, 114,800. And the Samurai Whirlpool unspent capacity, Samurai Whirlpool is a coin join or collaborative spend service. The unspent capacity of that service is 4,381.69 Bitcoin, Nico. The numbers. The numbers, bro. The numbers. Interesting. Still quiet weekend, right? Quiet weekend, stuck in time. Right. I'm very proud of the honey badger, like literally in the face of a possible nuclear Armageddon. Um, (laughs) A little dark joke right there. Knock on wood. Um, Dude, the honey badger, again, does not care. So that is bullish. But anyways, Phil, I wanted to talk about this clip that was doing the rounds on Twitter this weekend, and it really got under my skin. Now, I, I want to talk about this a little bit. Okay, first of all, in terms of the politics about it, you guys know the drill. We're apolitical on this channel. Second thing I want to say, I empathize a lot with the environmentalists. I think that there's a terrible, there's terrible uh, pollution and garbage and all these things in the planet nowadays that are like making the planet worse. Look, I live near the ocean. Okay, I live in I live in South Florida. You go to the ocean, you will find garbage. Okay? Like it's a problem, okay? I I just don't agree with the methods and I don't agree with bureaucratic coercion, right? I I I'm more so a fan of free market solutions and B- Bitcoin enables those free market solutions, right? Um, but I'll get to the I'll get to that in a second, right? Let's anyways, let's hear what the White House press secretary has to say. Check it out. On oil leases, what this actually justifies in President Biden's view is the fact that we need to reduce our dependence on foreign oil, on oil in general, and need to, and we need to look at other ways of process, of having energy in our country and others. One of the interesting things, George, we've seen over the last week or so is that a number of European countries are recognizing they need to reduce their own reliance on Russian oil. It, it, like, anyways, l- let me move on to this data before I talk about Pizaki. Okay, so let's talk about the renewables, which is what they're advocating for. Okay, so here's the thing, right? Renewable energy, it's 9%. Hydropower, which is totally geographically dependent. You can't move a dam in a river. Um, and solar, right? Solar is relatively low. Now, why is solar so low? Solar is low because, unfortunately, when solar is most produced is the middle of the day when people use the least amount of electricity. People use the most amount of electricity at nighttime, okay? 
Bitcoin fixes that because during the peak time, right? Um, essentially, Bitcoin becomes the buyer, right? So instead of the government subsidizing it, which is why wind is so high nowadays, wind on itself is not economical, right? As much as Pazaki would like to uh, essentially, you know, the, the, the mentality of the current administration to essentially force the economy to consume certain, t uh, to produce certain amount of energy like they tried to do in Germany, which is why Germany is so reliant on Russia. They shut down all of their nuclear power plants, which by the way, are very green. They don't, re they don't release any waste, right? You, you, the, the downside with nuclear energy is that essentially there is, there is a, after a certain amount of time, you have to replace the fuel for for the for the reactors, right? And that fuel, you essentially have to bury it. You have to put it away. But in terms of pollution, in terms of, of, of gas release into the atmosphere, it's very low. Now, what's not talked about solar and wind as well, right, is that to going into making the giant windmills, it's 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 very it's very uh, pollutive and intensive, right? Also, with solar, to making the solar panels also causes a lot of uh, a lot of pollution. It requires a lot of heavy metals. So again, my criticism, right, to this current administration is, look, I admire the fact that you know they're they're trying to care for the environment, but I disagree with their methods. And I and to be specific, because this is a show about Bitcoin. At the end of the day, Bitcoin provides those solutions because it makes it profitable, right, to essentially innovate in the green energy energy uh, industry without having to relying without having to rely on on government subsidy. Right. So, again, it's like if the current administration really wants to facilitate green energy as much as they say they do, they should be backing Bitcoin. Right. Because Bitcoin mining facilitates that. Right. We had uh, Brian Brooks, right, the CEO of Bitfury. He went on to the Senate committee of the you know cleaning up cryptocurrency committee and he's essentially making the same argument. Now, even more relevant than Bitcoin's current energy use is the incentive effect it has on the future production of renewable energy. Bitcoin miners seek low energy costs, and the lowest cost always comes from excess capacity, which can include wind and solar energy and energy lost in the transmission and distribution process, among other things. As just one example, in 2020, in California, where I live, one and a half million megawatt hours of solar production was curtailed, meaning wasted, because production exceeded demand. And the U.S. grid loses literally thousands of terawatts a year due to inefficient transmission. Now, because Bitcoin miners are easily able to locate near the source of production, these kinds of excess capacity sources can be turned into economic value through Bitcoin mining. And this has the effect of taking what can be an unprofitable business, for example, solar, and making it profitable. Put differently, if we want more wind and solar in this country with less need for government subsidy, Bitcoin can be part of the solution. Right. So again, I don't think that their solution, I don't think that the solution to this environmental problem is through government coercion of energy production. That's making everyone's life more expensive. It's clearly not working. Germany is a prime example of that. Right. And now they're completely reliant on a country that the West is being hostile towards, which gives Russia a tremendous amount of leverage and wealth. To invade other countries because it's one thing it's like yeah you know in the west we're gonna be all green we're gonna pay a lot more for electricity but you know it, it, uh, russia they're just gonna keep you know mining that fossil fuel 
right? So again, it's, it's disconnected from reality. Bitcoin absolutely fixes this, but only if they see it. And unfortunately, what you get from the, a, lot of the, a lot of the establishment left nowadays is they're fighting Bitcoin tooth and nail, right? Even though Bitcoin is the solution to their environmental issues because it actually makes green energy profitable, right? Solar and wind. So I don't know, bro. Just, just, just some thoughts. You know, I actually saw an article uh, this weekend from CNN uh, that was, uh, or, or it was, uh, you know, like some news clipping anyways, just totally bashing Bitcoin about the energy, about the energy problem, right? And the quote unquote, ever increasing energy. So hold on a second. I, I just want to back up to Jen Psaki's comments. Um, I feel like she was scapegoating there. Like, I feel like, I, I don't know, maybe that's the wrong term, but I, I feel like she was saying, oh, what, wait a second, you know, um, you know, we're not at fault for, for the, you know, for these problems because other, you know, because other people are relying, other countries are relying on, on imports also, you know, so it's, it's not just us. We had, if I'm not mistaken, the Keystone pipeline was working. We had like energy. It, we had, used. we had total energy independence. Right. Okay. Total sure. energy independent. We didn't rely on another country for energy. And then this administration, because of a political ideologies, right, decided to shut down things left and right, which is the fossil fuel. But again, what I what I was showing right during this clip, during this, uh, by the way, it's, it's data from the government is that, look, she could say all she wants. Right. About mm -hmm. shutting down, uh, you know, moving to green. But the reality is of it is that 60 percent of the energy production in the United States still comes from fossil fuels. So if you attack fossil fuels, even though they're responsible for 60% of the energy production, what are you gonna get? Higher gas prices, higher electric bills, which is exactly what's happening, which is exactly what happened in Germany. These ideas come from a good place, which is about saving the environment. But there's, there's good ideas and there's economic reality, right? The good ideas are meeting economic reality and economic reality is taking them to town, which is why Germany's put in this weak place when it comes to having to buy gas from Russia or else the Germans are going to go cold this winter. Right. Anyways, I, I'm just you know what? I can't believe that this is playing out in real time the way that it is, to be perfectly honest. For me, I, I'm just I'm completely astonished. And you know what? I, I don't know if you ever saw this also, but did, did you ever see, you were talking about the windmills, right? Those things, uh, they, if I'm not mistaken, they don't recycle very well. They don't. Um, <laughs> I, 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 recall seeing, I, I recall seeing an article about fields of these things that they can't get rid of, that they have to bury. So again, to your point, right? The great ideas, economic realities, they meet the, you know, this is where the rubber hits the road and this is where we actually need practicality and this is where we need realism, right? Yeah. Not fantasy, so. And what's crazy, right, which is why I wanted to talk about this, because this is just noise, in my opinion. But the reason I want to talk about it, which this is signal, is that Bitcoin actually provides a solution to this, right? Because Bitcoin actually makes this niche type of energy production, which is totally subsidized by the government. It actually makes it potentially profitable. And the same environmentalists are still fighting Bitcoin. Which goes on to say, which is why I brought up this point on Sunday, are these people really concerned about the planet? Because I am. Or are they really concerned about control? I don't know. You know I, what? Oh, yeah. sorry. Go ahead. Go, no, you go ahead. I, I was just going to say, you know, to your point, as you're discussing this, you're making me think like, 
how much is this going to incentivize better fuel cell technology? Like, how much you want to make a bet we see Bitcoin end up incentivizing better fuel cell technology for solar to be more practical? Because to your point, the majority of it is actually uh, solar energy is absorbed in the middle of the day, whereas the majority of people are using their energy at night. So maybe Bitcoin will incentivize that as well. Yep. Exactly. Who knows? We'll wait and see. But anyways, Phil, it's time for The Daily Fail. Brought to you by Amber App. Check them out. Amber.app. Low fees, fair spreads, smart automation. It's the easiest way to buy Bitcoin. The link is down below. Amber. The smart way to stack sets. We have been asked by several fellow plebs and Bitcoiners to do another episode dismantling Hex or Richard Hart's uh, Hex coin. Anyways, this is a very intricate type of shitcoin, and it has a lot of nuance to it. And for the people who know who Richard Hart is, you know that he's a very elegant speaker. You know that uh, he can he can create stories out of nothing, and he can definitely make you feel stupid. I so look in full disclosure, right? When I was a shitcoiner and I was moving into Bitcoin. Uh, he was one of the podcasts that I paid attention to, and I used to watch his six-hour rants and stuff like that, watching him take down, you know, shitcoiner question after shitcoiner question about Bitcoin, and I was like, man, this guy knows so much. And he would speak with this confidence, right? And, and being the way that, you know, being the way that I was and not knowing and not knowing any better, I was like, wow, you know, this guy really knows what he's talking about. Anyways, I have to start with this preface before we dive into this, because... This project, okay, this project has a lot of shillers, okay, a lot of shillers and people, for that reason, people seem to think that because of that noise, it means that it's not a scam, but it is. It's no different than any other shitcoin. If anything, it might even be significantly worse. I don't know because I have a hard time distinguishing between dumpster juice and garbage, to be honest. Anyways. We're going to proceed. We're going to start off with this tweet that we were tagged in by Shut a Face. Okay, and here we go. This is Shire Hoddle. I'm really getting worried that Hex is just a scam pump and dump now. I advise all Hexicans to reevaluate the use case. I've sold 95% of my investment while I do some research. It's not an investment. It's not an investment. Anyways, as you guys know, the links to all of our source material is going to be in the you know, in the details part of the YouTube video. So don't forget to check it out for the whole entire article. Let's dive into it. What is Hex shitcoin? Here we go. Hex is a token on the Ethereum networks executed by a smart contract, and the website advertises itself as a place to earn 40% per year with certificates of deposit. Hex has been very careful with the marketing language on the website and product design features to both appear legitimate and to avoid legal trouble. There's even an entire page on the Hex token dedicated to why the product isn't a scam and generously educates the reader on what technically constitutes an illegal Ponzi scheme and a pyramid scheme and why this and why this product doesn't legally qualify. Okay, let's take a little trip over to the Hex website and here it is. Hex is not a scam, and here are the reasons why Hex is not a scam, okay? And he gives you a whole bunch of little concerns that you can click on, and it'll tell you why it's not a scam. So here, just his main heading is Hex starves scams of resources. So look, this is something, this is another piece that he's very good at doing, okay? This is 
intentionally what he does, and he's even said this in his videos, okay? He said this actually to, to I believe it was Peter McCormack, okay? There was a video on Richard, Hart, uh, on Richard Hart's uh, channel with Peter McCormack arguing with him about Hex and then and Giacomo Zucco also arguing with him about Hex. We're going to have that in the show notes. But essentially, he explains that he is feeding you information. OK, this is exactly what he tells Peter. He goes, Peter goes, you don't know anything. He goes, I'm feeding you all the information that you know. And this is exactly what he does with this product. He is telling you what the definition of a scam is and what the definition of a Ponzi is. And he's framing this product, which is you're going to see majority owned and controlled by him how this product is not a scam and it's better than Bitcoin. Usually legitimate investment products don't need an entire section educating you on scams. Indeed, this is true. I've actually never seen that. You go to Bitcoin, there's uh, on any of the Bitcoin websites, right? There's nothing about telling you how it's not a scam, you know? So sorry. And again, not to say that if something is telling you, if something is not telling you that it's not a scam, it doesn't mean that it's not a scam, but just to say that the product should be able to stand on its own for what it's doing. Okay, but this product does not. So it has to educate you as to why it's not a scam. Anyways, let's continue. The auditing of the HEX token. HEX mentions frequently in its marketing materials that three different auditors have audited its contract. Auditing in the crypto world is where developers who specialize in cryptocurrency smart contracts evaluate the computer code for bugs. Having sound code doesn't absolve it from being a scam if the code is written to be a scam. And here we go. We can see one of the tweets. Hex, Hex.win might be the best opportunity of your life. Hex is designed to go up 10,000x in only two and a half years. Anybody who can do math for more than two minutes can figure out that this is completely unsustainable. Tweets directly from Richard. Hi, I'm Richard Hart. I founded the best asset in the history of the universe. Hex.com is up 466,000% in 603 days. And look, you've got some paid advertising pieces. This is not difficult to come by. You pay for these pieces. How is this legal? <laughs> well, because you pay. He, he just he pays for it. Look, you, you've got look, you've got even on, on buses, look, people putting this on their cars, supposedly in a train station, right? Lots of marketing, lots of advertising. What have we told you about all these shit coins? What have we told you about the marketing machines that are behind this? Who founded Hex? The founders who go, the founder who goes by Richard Hart for marketing, his real name is Richard J. Schuler. There's nothing wrong with using a pen name, except when the point is to hide a long history of shady businesses involved in spamming my Viagra and anti-aging pills and legal trouble in Panama. Here in 2003, he offers up that he was a 23 year old multimillionaire from spamming. And you could see here, Richard Schuler, I'm a 23 year old multimillionaire, learn how to spam millions of people per day. His own blog documented other shady business, such as selling stereo equipment he didn't own. This is his blog right here. What if I put ads in the newspaper for stereo equipment I don't own yet? When people call, I'll tell them I have a good friend at, any electron at an electronic store, and, and that if they can give me half the money, I can get them the equipment at a great price, and they can have it that day. How did Richard Hart make his money? By selling millions of tokens created out of thin air to poor saps who think that 40% of your returns can just be invented with a token. All right, let's dive into the initial coin offering here. 
During the first year's claim period, you obtained Hex by sending Ethereum to the contract address known as the origin address. If you wanted to change your Hex tokens back to Ethereum, you'd have to go somewhere else. Schuler's origin address offers no refunds, which again refreshes why the term certificate of deposit is a poor naming choice. He kept everything you sent him scot-free, and if you wanted out, then you had to find an exchange. You had to find an exchange offering liquidity. In interviews, he always dodges the question of who controls the hex origin address, and this is true. The reason why he will avoid that question is because the ICO was deemed a security by the SEC, and he conducted an illegal one for an entire year without a filing and registration. He received an asset in exchange for his own creation. It's an ICO without question. About 7 million of ETH was withdrawn from the Hex Origin address about a month after the launch. 36 tra transactions of 100, uh, sorry, of 1,337 ETH, which for the people that know what that spells, it spells leet backwards, which is something you learned back in the 90s. It's like old hacker speak. During the first year, there was nothing stopping Richard Schuler from creating a continuous loop by sending Ethereum to the origin address, receiving hex, then sending the receiving Ethereum to a different address, maybe even through a laundering mixer to obfuscate this activity, and then sending it right back to the origin address for more hex. He could mint himself as much hex as he wanted and he did. Since these hex tokens were minted out of thin air and locked for a year, it didn't actually cost him anything to give them out. But it gave the appearance to outsiders that there was a thriving community with thousands of hex participants. Schuler incentivized people to act fast to get a bonus. This is another typical scammer move. Time-sensitive material. You have to act quickly. You got to do this soon. It's just a very typical, not, not necessarily just scammer, but salesman move. When someone exchanged... Ethereum to Hex, Schuler got both a copy of the Hex value and also the full ETH value. So that's right. So if you went and claimed a thousand Hex, not only did he get your ETH, but he also got the thousand Hex you claimed. So you got the thousand Hex and he got the thousand Hex. He wins more no matter what. And why shouldn't he? He created this. I'm the king of this castle. I deserve the most. When someone was referred by another Hex user, he also got a copy of what both the referrer and the referee got. So it's like quadruple dipping. Each time someone used the adoption method or was referred, it was further dilutionary to the Hex token pool by 2x the claim amount. It should be pretty obvious the only significant whale in the Hex system is Schuler himself. No scam would be complete without advertising how rich people are getting along with some Lambo shilling. This is true. 2017, you'd have people showing you their like, the, you know, their portfolios and stuff like that with like 60, 70 million dollars in it and, you know, showing you pictures of them sitting next to Lambo. So here we go. Bought with Hex. The Lambo bought with Hex. The main product feature is to lock up your Hex tokens for a chosen period of time with the rewards increasing along with the lockup period. By incentivizing Hex buyers to lock up their tokens for a number of years, heavily penalizing them if they unlock early, it removes selling pressure and reduces the float. This provides the opportunity for the marketing efforts to have a more powerful effect since with more buyers than sellers, the price will be pressured upwards. This in turn lures in additional buyers catching the FOMO bug. The goal, of course, is to remove as many retail sellers as possible from the process so that the only people who are left to sell are the earliest investors and promoters who have large bags to dump on new entrants. How does Hex make money? It doesn't. This is where we really get to the crux of the Hex scam. With Hex, there's no underlying economic activity happening at all. 
It's not even real interest. All the hex contract code does is mint new inflationary tokens every year and then distributes the inflation to those who have agreed to lock theirs up. This is what I was telling you about the website. Those who lock up tokens also get half the penalties from those who unlock their funds early. Or get this, forget to unlock their funds within two weeks of the agreed upon period. Richard Schuler generously gives himself the other half. So once again, if you forget to unlock them, he gets paid too. The sole purpose of the HEX contract is to redistribute value from some token holders to other token holders. Nico, how does, well, what does that sound like to you? Yeah. Does that sound like some kind of communism? Mm, a little redistribution of wealth, <laughs> hey, with one master at the top. What makes HEX effectively a Ponzi scheme? When Ponzi schemes were defined 100 years ago, private currency ones didn't exist. So, uh, sorry, private, pri yeah, sorry, private currency ones didn't exist. So HEX doesn't quite meet the exact legal definition since the cash flow of new investors doesn't directly cross the table to another investor's pocket. That's where Richard Hart and his followers stopped the discussion. See, technically, it's technically not a Ponzi. Therefore, it's not a scam. Hex controls its own seniorage, and it is written into the contract to just mint more tokens over time. And then those tokens are paid out to existing investors as interest. By constantly increasing the supply, there will always be negative price pressure on the value of what those tokens are worth. A technical Ponzi scheme eventually collapses because the earnings aren't really being generated and the scheme always needs new investors flowing in to pay off the old investors. In contrast to HEX, since the purported returns are paid with additional inflationary tokens, these additional tokens need to be absorbed by new investors. Otherwise, the token price collapses. The collapse can be delayed for years when investors when investors wait to collect their purported earnings and reinvest them. Sound familiar? Bernie Madoff scam lasted for decades because most people just continue to roll their investment again and again. This is what makes Hex analogous to a Ponzi scheme, only that there is one additional step where both new and existing investors are transacting indirectly with each other through a token that is subject to supply and demand. The average lockup time is about two years, so there's a long delay before the impact of the freshly minted tokens takes effect on the Hex supply. In an effort to pretend that there are more investors than there really are, someone, guess who, sent Hex to 137,000 addresses in large batches, mostly small amounts of 100 to 101 Hex, and the addresses have no further activity. These are throwaway amounts, since the Ethereum gas would cost more than the value given to actually sell it. Schuler loves to brag about how many unique wallet addresses have Hex, so there's your reason why. All right, let's dive into the centralization. Hart loves to talk about how Bitcoin and other blockchains are centralized. How does Hex, how much Hex does Richard Hart own or control? Now, see, look, in Bitcoin, we've already shown time and time again, this doesn't matter. It's not about who owns the Bitcoin. It's about the mining and it's about the validating nodes. Very different than this. But when it comes to these types of coins, it's all about who owns the most. Etherscan provides a tool to look at the top 500 token holders. Almost all of them were created in blocks on the same day, within the same hour. Try to find a single account in the top 150 that wasn't funded by the origin account. Furthermore, this is a whole block of accounts that all have the same exact amount in them. Guys, this is, this is so cringe. 
really? You're going to tell, you know, like th this isn't real activity. This is this is just fraud. Anyways, these simple observations show that Richard controls the majority of the entire supply of of Hex. So how much Hex does he control in total? Someone has actually managed to collate the addresses funded from the origin address and Richard's token database shows he controls 88% of all the Hex. 88%. What does Hex actually do? What's its purpose? What innovation does Hex add to the table aside from being a self-enrichment scam? Bitcoin's purpose wasn't to furnish its users with investment returns, which is Hex's only purpose. Bitcoin was invented to facilitate digital payments and solve a double spending problem for digital money. Bitcoin was the genesis of cryptocurrency and it didn't require sending the founder money to participate in it. Bitcoin is also disinflationary and has a fixed terminal supply. Hex is none of that, and anyone can clone it with a few mouse clicks. For instance, see Rex on the Binance smart chain. So what does Hex do? It spawns more Hex. Which is true, that's literally what it does. So, in summary, the biggest problem with Hex is that the interest is being paid, but the token doesn't generate any actual revenue. So the only place money can come from is other investors. That's a Ponzi scheme, no matter how much spin you put on it. And man, there is definitely a lot of spin on this. We just went through it. Hex is going to need to bring in an average of five to six billion in capital each year to keep the token price level at today's price. The only rebuttal from Hex shillers about why Hex isn't a scam seems to be because their account balance has gone up since they bought in. And don't get me wrong, this is usually the argument from most shitcoiners. They always just point to the number, the USD value or whatever the local currency is, and they say, see, it's not a scam, I made money. People also thought that they were getting rich with BitConnect, which peaked at, at number seven and still trades and Bernie Madoff, but only those that sold before the bottom fell out actually made any real money. So my friend, this is the entire hex, the entire hex scam in a nutshell. Now look, as I said, that, that article is much longer than, than what I summarized. Okay, I tried to put together all the points that I could, but you can clearly see here this is no different than any other shitcoiner creating a shitcoin. We've shown you in past episodes, it costs as little as $25 to mint a shitcoin. And then all you got to do is spend some money for advertising and, and, and pay a couple of influencer accounts to pump your bags. So, so guys, I know, I, I know that the unit bias is, uh, I, I know that the unit bias is alluring. I know that the hopium is alluring. I know that the numbers are alluring but that's all it is. It's just a pipe dream. He's the only one getting loaded. Nico, <laughs> sorry I made you sit through all that, bud. No, no, we it's all We got asked, man, we got asked. <laughs> um, yeah, give the plebs what they want. Dude, so look, while I was reading that, I think that this whole hex debacle, I think is, is highlighting essentially the problem that all currencies have had, including fiat currencies, right? which is the people that control the monetary policy of those of those currencies the incentive to manipulate the monetary policy for their benefit is irresistible right and i think that with this it really highlights like you know you think ethereum is bad this is like this is essentially an example in my opinion of what happens when you don't successfully separate the monetary policy away from human beings.
right? And there you have essentially a god king, right? Essentially, that's what it is. That's how Vitalik sees himself too, right? Um, essentially manipulating the money, right? You know, completely shamelessly, I might add, to his advantage, right? Ethereum does the same thing, right? They're, they're going to manipulate Ethereum to benefit the Ethereum Foundation, right? Now, what makes Bitcoin different at the end of the day? All of these coins, all these shit coins, the, the original creator is still involved, right? There's a head honcho with, with Bitcoin. One of the best things that Bitcoin or Satoshi Nakamoto did was disappear. He stepped away, right? In fact, the Genesis, the Genesis block, right? The keys to that Bitcoin, they can't even, they, even if they have the keys, you can't spend from that address, right? And again, this is by design, right? It's to successfully separate the monetary policy away from the hands of, of human beings so that it doesn't get manipulated to benefit a, a, an elite group, which is what you have in fiat, which is what you have in shitcoins. And I think this is the most exaggerated example, which I think is such a good example, because I think that deep down inside all the shitcoin devs, they might not be as extreme. They, they might not be as blatant as this guy, right? but they still do it i think it's natural it's a natural human being incentive that's what you get in the fiat system right is i think that a lot of these central bankers right thinking it's like oh i'm gonna I, i'm gonna do what's best for the monetary policy but in reality what's best for the monetary policy is really what's best for them and everybody gets left out to dry and i think this example with hex is just that exaggerated to like a hundredth degree right so the innovation with Bitcoin, I'm going to leave you guys with this, is the fact that human beings aren't able to manipulate the monetary policy. The monetary policy is set in stone at roughly every four years. The, the supply gets or the, the amount of Bitcoin being dumped right on the market gets cut in half by the halving. Right. So, yeah, man, it's absolutely beautiful. It's a feature, not a bug. And don't let anybody tell you otherwise, because when someone is advocating for a central bank digital currency, when someone's advocating for a shitcoin, what they're really advocating for is a money that is controlled by an elite group. And that elite group is going to manipulate that money for their advantage. Only Bitcoin has been able to successfully solve this problem because of Bitcoin's virgin birth. When Bitcoin, when Satoshi created Bitcoin, he had no idea that it was going to have value. Every single shitcoin that came after the fact, the creator knew from the very beginning that that shitcoin was going to have value. Therefore, it was corrupted right from the root of it. So, so yeah, very, very cool stuff. But anyways, Phil, it's time for the Daily Meme Review. Brought to you by Citadel21. It's the best Bitcoin cultural zine. It's stories, articles, comics by actual Bitcoiners. Every every print or every volume is different artwork. It's all by Bitcoiners. has really cool details. This is volume 10. It just came out. There's only a 1,000 copies made per volume. Get your print of Citadel21 today. All right, first meme is brought to us by fellow pleb and uh, is retweeting Jason Lowey and he's retweeting a historic tweet by the Ukraine. I'll get to that during the news. But anyways, outlaw Bitcoin because of Russia, support Bitcoin because of Ukraine. And the guy is totally confused. I love that meme temp. Next meme is brought to us by Mika Mitakito Hoddle, definitely fellow pleb. Bitcoiners after being declared terrorists in Canada. 
And you know the the you know the the famous picture from Iwo Jima, the Marines waving the American flag. This was you know when Afghan essentially was retook by the Taliban to kind of mock the Americans. They they rose a, a Taliban flag, but it's just it's absolutely hilarious. You know that the Canadian government is making those connections. Anyways, uh, it's not hilarious. It's hilarious during a fourth turning. Okay, you have to like you either you either treat life like a comedy or a tragedy. Okay, I'm the comedy type of guy. Okay. Anyways, glass half full. Plus one. Uh, <laughs> carbon taxes for the poor's, and we told the peasants that the tax was for climate change, and then we exempted private jets. It's so true, dude. They they virtue signal about you know the climate, whatever, and then they take a bunch of motorcades and private jets to these climate things. It's such a joke. Because they're scumbags. It, I agree. It's like rules for the we're the elites. We don't have to care, but you guys do. Okay. Anyways, don't worry. You won't own anything. Be happy. Anyways. For nobody, uh, nobody truly knows who created Bitcoin. It creates a tremendous liability for any financial firm or CEO pushing it. If you paid attention to what I said at the end of the daily fail, you would understand why that is the biggest crock of dog shit. Mm -hmm. They have fiduciary duties. If they actually do, do know who created Bitcoin, it would be the biggest financial scandal in history. Look, let me give you an analogy, okay? Jerome Powell and Richard, and Richard Hart, is that his name, Phil? Yeah. Have the same function. They do the same thing, right? Richard, uh, Jerome Powell, because he has a much bigger currency, he's used a lot, he has a lot more responsibility, but they are still manipulating the monetary policy for their benefit. Remember when the news came out and they had to change the rules that, that a lot of, there was some Fed people that were insider trading to their benefit? This is what I'm talking about. They knew when the money was going to be printed and they bought the, the certain equities that they knew that the uh, the Fed was going to inject with cash. It's the same thing that Richard Hart is doing. Now, are all these people bad? I would say no. They're just following their own incentives. Mm -hmm. Bitcoin essentially figured out how to make, how to make, create a money where everybody following their incentives makes the money better and stronger so everybody wins where in those shit coins including the dollar these people by following their their incentives they're hurting other people in fact they're literally stealing from them the article the the article that you read phil it said redistribution right fiat does the same thing it's a redistribution gig from the lower middle class to the one percent and the state it's the same scheme it's just dressed in different colors. One is hex, one is the dollar. But it's the same thing fundamentally. Anyways, and I know a lot of people are going to disagree with me. Disagree with me in the comments. Anyways, and then there was you. Uh, nobody knows who created the wheel. Using it would create tremendous liability for companies. Nobody knows who invented shoes. Using them would create tremendous liability for Nike. Nobody knows who created agriculture. Using it would create tremendous liability for Monsanto. And then this, and this is a total con face. Absolutely awesome from Greg. This is the next one from Rally. Uh, what you could buy for one Bitcoin 2011, one Bitcoin in 2011 burger, some apples, uh, bread loaf, but a bunch of potatoes. One Bitcoin in 2020, Tesla, sport boat, luxury, diamond necklace. Absolutely awesome. And uh, Seth Meister, last one for me. Maxi, Bitcoin, plebs, infit, QE, tyranny, hyperinflation, CBDCs. Spot on. Awesome, oh, wow. awesome well memes picked today. And for those memes, Phil, I'm going to give it a box. You open the box, and you have the F5 key. Focus. There we go. What are you going to give it, Secret box. I love the F5 key. I'm, I'm a big fan of F5. F5 does a lot of good things. Big fan. Okay.
That was a good score. I don't think I'm going to be able to top it, but I've got something. I don't think they make these anymore, but here we go. It is. They're not mint anymore, but still, they're in pretty good condition. These are Macbeth. Macbeth skate shoes. That's right. Very cool. All right. That's right. Very rare. Good score. Good scores. <laughs> Anyways, guys, we want to know. Do you agree with our scores? Do you disagree? Let us know down in the comment section. Make sure to join our Telegram group. Link us some dank, dank, dank Bitcoin memes to review. And of course, subscribe to us on alternative video platforms like rumble.com and our personal favorite, bitcointv.com. They don't censor there because it's Bitcoin TV. But anyways, Phil, it's time for the daily news. <laughs> Brought to you by CryptoCloaks.com. They make the best 3D printed Bitcoin merch, like the famous... 3D printed Bitcoin art sculpture opens up. You put your favorite hardware wallet or whatever you want. And you can get this also in custom colors. Any color your heart desires, you can change the handle, the frame, the, the, the body. And you can get it in the big size, the big boy grenade. And good, good news, you can take advantage of the link down below for 5% off anything on the store, CryptoCloaks.com. So you're starting to see a pattern here. And social media really highlights this, right? Every time something goes to shit, whether that was in the Ukraine or whether that's in the country who's invading the Ukraine, Russia, people as a reaction, one of the first things that they do is pull the money from ATMs. Now, here's the thing. Why are we talking about this? Why do we talk about shit coins? Why do we talk about all these things on this show? To highlight that Bitcoin fixes all of this. Anyways, Bitcoin fixes this completely. You don't have to rely on someone else holding your money. We have already heard inspiring stories of people fleeing the Ukraine. They can't take their debit cards. They can't access their bank accounts, but you know what they can use? Bitcoin. Anyways, uh, let's play some videos from the scene. Absolutely bonkers. That's just one giant line for people to access the ATMs, right? And here's another video, right? Вот он банкомат, который ещё хоть как-то деньги выдаёт. Now, I have a question for you guys because this reminds me of a lot of pictures from the 1920s of the famous bank runs, you know, right before the Great Depression, right? Do you think that ATMs going to have enough cash for those people? And here's the worst part, the cash that they're withdrawing is losing value, too. It's a double scam. Anyways, so why are these Russians scared? Well, a lot of things happened during the weekend. Hold on, let me let me. I'll get to that in a second. Let me cover this first. Um, so first of all, this is a historic moment, right? The historic moment. Look, you have Bitcoin becoming legal tender in El Salvador last year, and then this is a nation state, a country raising in Bitcoin and the shitcoin right to essentially raise money for the war effort to defend ukraine's sovereignty from the invasion of russia absolutely bonkers now here's the thing eth and usdt we know that usdt has already censored certain transactions right so eth right also right we, we we've covered this many times the node network is centralized because it's so resource intensive most of them run on aws servers right so again Theoretically, they can be censored. The most uncensorable currency here is Bitcoin. So, and I suspect as Bitcoin and shitcoins continue to grow up in value and they start to steal or take away power from governments, when more of this happens and people wake up to the fact that the power that they have with the technology current that currently exists, which is Bitcoin, governments are going to start cracking down on the lowest hanging fruit, which are shitcoins because they are centralized 
right? So again, this is a temporary thing. As time goes on, you'll start to see that it's mostly Bitcoin because one of Bitcoin's best features, right, is the fact that it's hard to censor. Anyways, historic moment, Phil. This is historic, right? And this is a big middle finger to all the banks and all the IMF and all the governments that are saying, hey, you need us to bail you out. It's like there you have people from all over the world in a synonymous way donating to the cause that they want without having to deal with any middleman. That's extremely freaking powerful. But of course, give it to the politicians always jumping on, always trying to be the party pooper. This is a Ukrainian politician saying, I'm, I'm asking all major crypto exchanges to block addresses of Russian users. It's crucial to freeze not only the addresses linked to Russian and Belarusian policies, but also to sabotage ordinary users. What the fuck is wrong with this guy? Like, this is such fiat mentality. If you want to know why people why Ukraine did this is because the fact that it can't be stopped by governments, the fact that it can't be censored. So he's shooting the hand that fucking feeds him. He's shooting the technology that fucking feeds them. Listen, I don't agree with Russia. I don't agree with what Russia's doing, but I don't think that the US government or anybody has the right to, to censor what Russia is doing because a lot, it's like you're going to censor the Russian government, but there's also going to be the collateral damage of millions of, of, of Russian citizens that are also going to be hurt by the sanctions. The same thing happens in Cuba. The same thing happens in Iran. It's like you censor the governments of Iran. You censor the governments of Venezuela. You censor the governments of Cuba, but you also starve and censor millions upon millions of people there. We, we showed you and we talked about the, the example in Afghanistan where essentially the U.S. government cut Afghanistan from the legacy financial system and people were literally starving in Afghanistan. You know the only thing that worked? Bitcoin. And this is by design. Because as, as, as long as there's somebody, and this goes to tie this in with what I was talking about during the fail, as long as there's human beings that are able to manipulate the money, they're going to want to censor the party that they politically disagree with. You got to take that power away from people. So this is just, it's hypocrisy at its finest. It's only not only me saying this, this is also a lop. You never know when, where, why, or how a politician may call for your assets to be seized. Spot on. And this only isn't happening to a Ukrainian politician asking to happen in Russia. This has also happened in Canada recently. You had Canadians, their accounts were frozen because they, they, they uh, supported a protest. And it was a retroactive, meaning when they supported that protest, it wasn't even illegal. This problem is going to keep happening. And it's again, it goes by to it goes back to incentives. As long as there's the incentive, as long as people has the power to be able to freeze their political opposition in the quest for remaining in power, people are going to take that option. Bitcoin removes it. Anyways, moving on to the big daddy news of today. This is right. EU to ban certain Russian banks from SWIFT. Paralyze assets of the Russian Central Bank and further freeze uh, uh, assets of oligarchs. Let's see what the head of the European Union has to say. We commit to ensuring that a certain number of Russian banks are removed from SWIFT. This will ensure that these banks are disconnected from the international financial system and harm their ability to operate globally. 
SWIFT is the world's dominant global interbank payment system. Cutting banks off will stop them from conducting most of their financial transactions worldwide and effectively block Russian exports and imports. Okay, so I've talked about this concept many times with you guys. Unintended consequences, okay? You have a very powerful country with a very high GDP, and essentially you have the Europe and the United States essentially seeing this. Second, we paralyze the assets of Russia's central bank. This will freeze its transactions and it will make it impossible for the central bank to liquidate its assets. Okay, a couple things here, okay? First of all, if they could freeze Russia's assets, they could freeze anybody's assets, which we just saw during the Canada protests. So how long until they disagree with what your political ideologies or your political ideas and they freeze your assets too? And now a second thing. Do you think that Russia is just going to lay down and take it? Which is what I was talking about, the unintended consequence. If Russia is forced to look for another solution, they will find another solution. And now here's the unfortunate part, which if you look at the game theory, this might play in. They have an alternative, and that alternative is Bitcoin. Now, if Russia uses Bitcoin, that is a hell of a good excuse for Western governments to kill that really nagging thing, that nagging cancer that continues to grow. So I don't know how this is going to play out, but if you think Russia is just going to sit down and take it, and allow their economy to potentially be hurt because of this, they're going to look for solutions. And one of those solutions might be the un the only uncensorable money on the face of the planet, which is Bitcoin. And if that happens, that is ammunition to the central bankers that want to kill Bitcoin in the West. So let's see how this plays out. But it's fascinating. It's fascinating because even with all of this happening, the country that Russia invaded is using Bitcoin to raise funds. Russia potentially might use Bitcoin to curtail the SWIFT banning. And El Salvador is using Bitcoin to save money and remittance fees abroad. And the Kingdom of Tonga rumors, right, that they're going to make Bitcoin legal tender to also save on remittances next year in 2023. Bonkers. No politics, no nothing. It just facilitates speech and transactions between people on earth without judging and being political. I would like to live in that world because the internet works that way. Do you, do you open your phone? This is what the World Economic Forum would want to happen. But do you open your phone and it's like, I'm going to text Phil on Signal. And Signal's like, do you lean left or right? So essentially, that's what they're trying to do with money, bro. So listen, I'm not saying what Russia's doing is okay, but I don't think anybody should have the right to censor anybody's speech. I don't. I don't think it's right. There's going to be bad people that use it, just like there's bad people that breathe oxygen, and there's going to be the good people that use it. Now, one last thing before I shut the fuck up, Phil. The benefits from an open monetary network completely outweigh the cons from a from a KYC censored monetary network. How do I know that? 50% of the planet is unbankable. How do I also know that? It took less than two or three months 
for El Salvador to have more Bitcoin wallets than traditional banking wall, uh, traditional bank accounts, which tells me that the legacy system with all the KYC up its ass has absolutely fucking failed. And this idea that you could buy Bitcoin and you could spend it and you could send it to things. Listen, you still live in meat space. Okay, you still are going to buy things. You're still going to buy properties. You're still going to buy items. Are you going to buy a property from laundered Russian Bitcoin? They're going to catch that. That's the whole point. I think the world would be much better. And it's not only me speculating and theorizing that. It has already proven it. The world would be much better if human beings were allowed to transact freely in an open monetary network. They're going to make you try to believe that the world would burn down and evil people would take over. That has yet to be seen. We've done the research. We've had the evidence. We had Ron Paul here. We've proved it to you. Or we've made the case at least. So anyways, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Phil? I think, I think you just helped solidify the case for Bitcoin being the money of enemies. I, I definitely think that, uh, that you did that. Now, okay, let's go back to the, uh, the, the you don't have to show it, but uh, Ukraine accepting donations, right, for their war effort. So look, um, I, I think that a separate conversation as to whether people agree or disagree with that is, you know, is going to be something, is going to be something different. Um, because I, you know, I personally wouldn't donate to anybody's war effort, so to speak, just because I, you know, I, I think war is awful, right? But that's the beauty of Bitcoin, right? Like, you see, the fact that I don't have to donate, it, like, that, that means my government, right, they don't get to go and print a whole bunch more Bitcoin and then donate it to Ukraine, right? The people that support Ukraine and decide that they want to donate to them absolutely can, right? That's the beauty of Bitcoin. And right there is one of the most beautiful cases of the money of enemies. Um, the other piece of this is Swift removing Russian banks. Last week, I said that that would be highly unlikely or that that wouldn't happen. And I was completely wrong. And I didn't realize, I, I just wasn't aware uh, of uh, essentially, um, how could I say this? Um, how badly the, the European Union has decided they want to shoot themselves in the foot. I do think that that is shooting themselves in the foot. I don't think they realize how dependent they are on Russia's energy. And I, I think that what Nico said is exactly, exactly right. You want to cut them out of the transaction system very well. They are going to go find the path of least resistance. And now here we go. This goes back to the point of Bitcoin being the money of enemies. You've got... Ukraine asking for donations, uh, providing a Bitcoin address for donations in BTC, and you've got Russia possibly being having their arm twisted in, into looking for another solution, which BTC may be able to offer. And as Nico pointed out, you've got El Salvador. So this is this is hilarious. I I honestly, when we were talking about this kind of stuff, I remember hearing Pierre Rochard talk about these geopolitical events that would possibly play out when, when we were back in 2018. And I'm like, oh man, we're like a decade away from that. Me too, bro. We, uh, we like were a saying decade. that. We were saying that. We we're like, ah, this is going to happen. It's like, everything's coming so soon. <laughs> How did they do that? I mean, I, but again, right, this goes back to our ability to perceive, you know, short-term events and long-term events, you know, yep. and being incorrect about it. We're living through a time where decades are happening in years. 
right? Yeah. Usually there's years and nothing happens, right? When there's a year that decades are happening, we're living through it. But anyways, to tie it up, to end it with this, it's not just you, it's not us speculating. We have our favorite <laughs> economist, Steve Hankey, who also hates Bitcoin. The answer is right in front of him, but he can't see it. Anyways, he says, Phil, why don't you do the honors? Here we go. I love reading Steve Hankey's tweets. All right, let's do it. Weaponizing the swift international payment system might cut Russia off, but risks eroding the dollar-denominated global financial system. Indeed, it'll give rise to alternative systems developed by China and Russia. Just another example of why sh sanctions are counterproductive. Unintended consequences. And again, this comes from politicians benefiting from the dollar being the global supremacy and essentially weaponizing the dollar. And by weaponizing the dollar, you're essentially incentivizing other countries to look for other options. But why do they think that the other commie option is the answer? Like, like it's, I, I find it so strange, you know, I, like I, I sit there, it's because of their incentives, right? I, tw I tweeted, I tweeted this dude, governments would rather remain in power than seeing their citizens flourish. It's all about power and a fiat currency. But they're a citizen. This is the psychotic hypocrisy. They don't this see themselves. They're elites, bro. They don't see elites. themselves as such. But anyways, Phil, awesome new segment. It's time for No, it's not. There is an open source software release today. What do you tell everybody about it? Software releases. Brought to you by CypherSafe. Check them out. CypherSafe.io. It's the best place to store your Bitcoin seed. Store it in the Cypher wheel or the all-new Cypher grid. Comes complete with punch tool and tamper-resistant wire that's also fill resistant. All right, guys, we've got Mercury Wallet version 0.6.4 that was released. You know the deal. We release every uh, every episode in audio only. Don't forget to check us out on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, and on Anchor. Awesome. Thank you, Phil. Guys, if you like our threads, represent rep, rephard.com awesome hoodies they got mer they got shirts they got sweatpants really cool stuff and you can take advantage of the link down below for 15 percent off anything on the store rephard.com anyways guys that was our show if you enjoyed the show smash the like button and of course if you want to continue hearing the catastrophic fails from the shit coiners central bankers all the above and the bitcoin news from the plea pleb perspective definitely consider subscribing to simply bitcoin and we'll see you tomorrow guys for a brand new episode are war efforts really being financed by Bitcoin? Are we really at that point in the timeline?